We welcome you today, and uh, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, I, I want you to do something for me real quick before we jump in. If you would, take out your phone, and uh, I want you to start an email to this email address, tellalex at battlecreekchurch.com, and, and just get it started. And over the course of the message, uh, if God lays on your heart a miracle that he gave you, in your heart and in your life, that, that I want you to do in one sentence, just tell us what it is, okay? And send it to me with this a project we're working on. And we've seen so many miracles in, in our church on a regular basis. I was just holding uh, the, the Eva Kate right back here, this little baby. How old is Eva Kate, uh, Kate? There she is right there. Hold her up and let everybody see her. Let's clap for that baby right there. Uh, years, years of praying and uh, infertility and one doctor's report after another. And here she is worshiping with us and uh, uh, glory to God, amen? And, and so if God's given you a miracle, I want you just to send, send a sentence, okay? But I also want you to send a picture of your family or, or, or you or whoever that miracle affects, okay? Because we're going to build this into a project uh, that, that will be very worshipful uh, in, in the days to come. And so send that in. Tell Alex at battlecreekchurch.com. It could be, I was healed from this. It could be, hey, I, we were dealing with infertility and now we have 28 kids. And it, it could be, uh, you know, God said no more or God said my heart would not make it or cancer or, I mean, the doctor said and God said I have a different plan. And so send us that if you would. And it's going to be a part of Vision Night. We've been announcing Vision Night. I'm coming to every campus. And look, I'm not coming to every single campus because you're dying to see me. I'm coming to every single campus because I'm dying to see you. And I want to be with you at all of the campuses. And so we're going to do six of those things. And I want to announce to the glory of God that September the 8th, Wednesday night, BA will do the vision night at the BA campus. And, and uh, we, we, we will be back, glory to God. And then that following Sunday, we will be back in our campus and, and uh, glory to God. And so uh, we give him praise and honor for that. We also thank uh, the beautiful host of Union High School for having us and loving on us. And, and uh, these guys have been amazing. In fact, last Sunday, uh, when the power was out at 7.30 in the morning and, and the group was praying back there in the lobby that God would come through, uh, there were a few of the maintenance guys who are part of the union facility team who had, who had been told it won't come on until 12.30. And Brian Preston just started praying and said, God, just let it come on. And it went and came on. And, and, and these guys afterwards said, hey, I'm not all that spiritual, but that was awesome. And uh, glory to, to what God is doing in our lives. And so at the BA campus, look, it, it, the worship center will be open. Not all of the facility will be open, okay? And so there, there'll be makeshift in the preschool, elementary, and, but 75% of the building is accessible to us today. And, and uh, the other 25% in the next weeks will come back online and God is going to uh, blow that place in, in, into thousands and thousands of people coming to know Jesus. And so let's pray together before we jump in. Today, Father, we give you glory and honor. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Uh, we thank you for miracle after miracle after miracle. We can't even count them of what you're doing in our midst. So today we pray for 
more miracles. In, in fact, maybe even the greatest miracles of all time, salvation in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. And so across all of our campuses today, would you be glorified? May we lift you up. Would you inhabit the praises of your children? Meet us with your presence and meet us with your power and do in lives what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray and together we all say amen. amen. Hey, uh, let, let, let me start with a question. Do you remember when you were a kid and you did something to tick your mom off? Anybody remember that? And, 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 and she looked at you with that look. You, you know the look I'm talking about, right? And, and then she said this thing to you. She said this thing to you. In fact, let's just all say it together. Just wait till your dad gets home. Now, now here, here's the deal with that. How many of you remember that, right? Here's the deal with that. Those can be happy words or they can be scary words, right? Th th these words can make you say, man, I cannot wait, right, till dad gets home, or they can literally fill you with fear. It depends on what you did, right? And depends on what your dad will do. It could mean just wait till your dad gets home with ice cream, right? He's bringing it for all of us. But, but it usually meant when dad gets home, he's going to take care of you. And that word care, you know, we can put in brackets. But, but, but I, I think we all have to one level or another that same anxiety sometimes when it comes to Jesus. And when we talk about Jesus coming back or we talk about Jesus coming again, uh, some of us are like, man, we, we can't wait. How many of you prayed in the last year? Just come on, right? And, and, and the other half of us think, uh-oh, I better go hide. In fact, if I told you today that Jesus is coming this afternoon to your home, what, what would you do? Right? Like some of you would be so excited, like it would just blow your mind, right? You would, I know exactly what I'm going to prepare for him. I know how we're going to go in the dining room. We're going to use the good china, right? You, you would put on your best outfit. You may go buy a new outfit. The kids would all match in their little seersucker things. And uh, like those families take pictures at the beach. And, and uh, the other half of you, if you heard Jesus is coming to your house today, you would be like, hey, give me 15 minutes. I need to go hide something, right? Don't worry and don't ask, just stall him, right? And, and, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But, but the truth is, anytime we need Jesus, we, we just want him to show up. We just want him to be there, right? We, we, we want him to come to our house. And there's this story in Matthew chapter 9. We're going to pick up kind of where we left off last week. You got your Bible. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. In fact, there's lots of stories like this in Matthew. We've been reading from them actually all month long. But, but, but the story is about a man who needed Jesus. And he went out and found him. And he said, Jesus, you got to come to my home. And this man was not looking for Jesus just to show up. He, he didn't need Jesus just to make an appearance or or to look good. He, he certainly wasn't looking for a sermon or a Bible study. He needed Jesus to heal his daughter. In fact, she had just died. But, but he knew if anyone could bring her back, it was Jesus. So he says, Jesus, come to my house. I don't care how dirty it is. I don't care what you may see there or what you may find there. I don't care about any of that. Just come to my house and heal my daughter. Let, let, let's begin uh, in, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 23. It says, when Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. Now, this is really interesting uh, for those of us who are, you know, raised in this part of the world, the western part of the world, that a noisy crowd 
and loud music at, at, at a funeral. What you need to know is that's Jesus' culture. That's not our culture. That's the Eastern culture. In fact, one time on a trip to Israel, a group of us were in Bethlehem, and, and, and not all groups get to go to Bethlehem, but uh, we, we all, almost always make that work out. And we went into Bethlehem, and we're walking through Bethlehem. It's controlled by the Palestinians, but we, while we're walking through the streets of Bethlehem, we looked up and found ourselves in the middle of a funeral procession. And I don't remember which of my kids, but some of my kids were with me in, on, on this particular trip. And, and at one point, we literally are walking right beside the pallbearers who are holding a coffin like this, and it's open. And, and they are hooping and hollering and, and, and got the things, and they're wailing. And we got in the middle of an Eastern funeral as we were going into this cathedral. And uh, you just saw this playing out. I mean, it was like the Bible stories coming alive as, as this funeral was taking place. And, and, and by the way, one of you asked me this morning about Israel. The website is battlecreekchurch.com forward slash Israel. Okay, and so you can go there if you want information on the next trip. But, but, but it, it's, it's unbelievable how this plays out. And, and it's like when you go to someone else's house and they do things differently. And you don't quite understand what they're doing. Like, I got some Asian friends, I show up at their house and we do this weird thing with our shoes, right? And, and I got some Italian friends and I show up at their house and it's really loud as they fight and argue o -o over dinner. But, but in those days, when someone in your family died, you were expected to hire a professional mourner. You, you literally paid somebody to come to your house and pretend to be sad. And, and, and even the poorest families were expected to, to hire two flute players and one whaler. First of all, flute. Like, I love the band, but that's the band I like, right? You can play the flute at a funeral, right? Or a, a professional whaler, someone who wails for a living. I know some of you probably would be great at that. They just get paid to sit in the corner and just cry and sob and say, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why, God, why? And, and, and so Jesus rolls up on the scene with all these people, and, and they're playing sad music, like the saddest music of all time. How, what would you say is the saddest song of all time? Anybody got a suggestion? Hurt by Johnny Cash, maybe, or he stopped loving her today. You remember that one? I'm dating myself. What? Beauty from pain. Beauty from pain. And, and, and so whatever the song is, just imagine. It's the, it's the Les Mis, that one. Remember that song? And, and, and so this, this sad music is playing really, really loud. And Jesus shows up on the scene. And they're all crying and they're boohooing and they're making this whole show. And, and look at what Jesus says. Look at what he says. He says, get out. This girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. Now, before you think that that's what's playing out and this wasn't a miracle at all, uh, that this girl was just asleep, let me just say to you, look, I understand you thinking that because you have teenagers in your home. <laughs> and and I, I, we're raising our fourth teenager right now, and they know how to sleep. Like, it's like a spiritual gift. <laughs> like, two of mine especially. Like, they, they can just sleep in and, and sleep in, like in, in. And, and sometimes Meredith and I will look at each other and like, should we go check? Maybe she's not breathing. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and then right before noon, she comes out of her room all wrapped up, still in a blanket like a cocoon. Sleep. That's what some teenagers do, right? And, and this girl, I don't, we don't know how old she is. We just know she's young. Maybe she was just sleeping in. But that is not the case. And you're going to see that in this story. She's dead. D-E-A-D, dead, dead. She is dead. And Jesus sees the mourners. And he hears the wailing. And he sees the musicians. And he can 
sense the dread in the father's heart. And he can feel the sadness on the mother and in her spirit. And he sees that she is dead, but he declares that she is only sleeping. What's the application? The application is when all we see is death, Jesus just sees sleep. Why? Because he knows for those who believe in him, death is not the end. It's just the beginning, right, of eternal life forever and ever and ever and ever with him. But what we see is permanent. He knows is only temporary. And what we think is the end, it's only the beginning for Jesus. And there are times in our lives where all we see is death or or, or we hit a dead end and we think it's completely over. But Jesus comes home and in his homecoming and what he says is, no, you're not dead. You're just asleep. And I have the power to wake you up to a whole new life. And I don't know what it is for you today. It may be a problem in your family. It may be a problem at work. It may be an addiction. Jesus has the power to wake you up from your sleep. And speaking of addiction, as part of a coming initiative that we're going to do this fall, we're going to start Celebrate Recovery, a Celebrate Recovery ministry in, in our church, and, and uh, even staff it and, and, and be a part of that. But regardless of what your struggle is, addiction or fear, anxiety, or any other hangup, Jesus can deliver you from it. In fact, if you want to be a part of that, you can register to lead a group or be a part of a group or attend a group at battlecreekchurch.com forward slash freedom, a whole new initiative that we are kicking into uh, this fall. So, So here's the question I want you to ponder today. What in your life is dead that you need to wake up? What in your life is a dead end that needs a detour? Maybe you're facing a dead end at work, right? And there's a coworker you just can't stand or a boss who is bugging you. Or you know what you deserve. You know you deserve better, but you, get, you keep getting passed over. Or, or you thought you'd be further along in your career by now. Jesus can come home to your job situation and he can handle it. I promise you he can. Maybe you're facing a dead end physically. Maybe you're facing a dead end emotionally. Maybe you have anxiety. Maybe you have some metal, uh, medical condition. Or, 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 in fact, let me just say this. Starting next week, we're going to deal with mental health as it relates to believers and it relate, as it relates to Christians. You want to be here uh, next Sunday as we begin this. And then the following week after that, I'm going to begin a brand new series called Untangling Your Anxiety. As the children of God, how do we untangle this thing called anxiety to deal with it in a way that honors Jesus and gives him glory in our lives? And maybe you can't sleep at night. Maybe something is keeping you up. Listen, Jesus can come home into your situation and into your problem and say, I can fix this. Maybe you're facing a dead end in a relationship. Maybe it's a marriage that hasn't turned out like you hoped it would turn out. Maybe it's a son or a daughter who's gone off the rails. Maybe it's a friend who has betrayed you. Jesus can come home into your relationship and say, it's not over because I'm not done yet. That's a promise that he can do that in you and for you. And each of us is here right now in this room or in one of these campuses because somebody invited you. You're here today because of a relationship with somebody. Somebody brought you. Somebody invited you. Maybe this was their first time inviting you. Maybe this was their hundred and first time inviting you. But you said yes, and you're here now. You're here with us today. Same thing happened to me when I was 15 years old. Somebody invited me to a church and then invited me to a camp many, many, many years ago. Not that many years ago, but more, more than I would like to admit, right? But I could have said, no, I'm not coming. No, I'm not going. But I went. And here's what 
happened. It changed my life. And in this story, Jesus comes to this man's house, not because of what he needed from him. He did not invite him to come over so he could impress the neighbors. He didn't invite him over to taste his wife's cooking. He loved someone, his daughter. And she needed Jesus. And, and, and right now, under the sound of my voice, there are hundreds of people hearing me talk today. And there are people who know you. There are people who love you. There are people who have been praying for you. And at some point in their past, they experienced a moment where they hit a dead end and Jesus came home to them and woke them up. And now they want that same thing for you. And they're praying that for you today. Look, look, look at what Jesus said. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But, but uh, the crowd, say the crowd. The crowd laughed at him. What, what, what happens when Jesus comes home? Uh, what, what happens when Jesus shows up in your situation? What happens when Jesus surprises you right at the point of your dead end? Write this down. Here, here's the first thing that happens. Jesus shuts down the opposition. They laughed at him. They laughed in his face. Can you imagine that? But, but it happened, right? And, and why were they laughing? They were laughing because they didn't have any faith. They did not believe what Jesus said he could do. They, they, they didn't believe the testimony about Jesus. They didn't believe what people were declaring about Jesus. They doubted that Jesus was real. But in just a few minutes, Jesus is going to show them that they're wrong. They didn't see it, though. They had to hear it secondhand. Now think how that conversation went. Think how that conversation went. Did, did, did you hear the news? Jesus healed that man's daughter. Hey, weren't you there? Didn't you go there? Tell us about that story. How did that play out? And, and, and listen as they say, well, I, I, I can't. I can't tell you about it. Well, why not? Weren't you there? No, Jesus kicked us out. Jesus kicked you out? Why would Jesus kick you out? Well, we, we were laughing at him. Laughing? You were laughing at Jesus? Why were you laughing at Jesus? Well, he said he was going to bring this little girl back from the dead. And we just thought, you know, it, that can't happen. Well, well, did it? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. We missed it. Hear me today. Don't miss it. D don't miss the miracles that Jesus wants to do in your midst and wants to do in your life today. Don't let anything or anyone get in your way. Don't let some doubt or some discomfort keep you from what God has for you. You, you, you know that word for get out in, in that scripture? It's the same word Jesus used over and over and over again when he told the demons to get out. Don't you think for a second there's not a spiritual application here in, in this story? There is. Beyond all that laughing is an enemy. Beyond all that laughing is a devil. Beyond, beyond all that laughing is a whisper from an enemy in their ears that says, you cannot believe that. Can you believe he said that? That all, all of the talking and the chatter that's happening, and Jesus shuts up every voice that would block faith in him, and he shuts it down, and, and he kicks it out. Now, there, there are a couple people in our church who know firsthand about opposition, and, and game film and studying uh, the opposition on a regular basis. And, and it's the Blankenship coaches. Bo bo both of these men, Bill and Josh Blankenship, are godly men. They both attend our church. They both are head football coaches, one at Owasso and, and one at Broken Arrow. We got some of these Broken Arrow players right here. Uh, welcome them today, if you would. And. Uh, we, we asked these, the, these godly men about the opposition. 
and they had some insightful things to say. Ch check out this video. It is important to know who your uh, opponent is. Um, I think there's also, that can be a slippery slope as well, um, because ultimately it's, there's gotta be a focus on us and eliminating our mistakes and, and finding ways that we can improve. Um, when you, and I learned this from my dad and my grandpa, you know, I'm a third generation coach, so I think when you get too caught up in the opponent, um, you can lose some ground there. I think it, in football, So I think when you need to know your opponent, I think looking in the mirror is your first opponent. Um, what mistakes can we eliminate first? Where can we improve? Where can we work more cohesively? Um, where can we be more efficient? Um, I think that's the starting point. Um, and that doesn't minimize the value of knowing your opponent that you're going to face, because that's critical. Um, but I think you're missing a huge step if you're not looking at yourself first. You have to know your opponent um, if, if you're going to actually try to get in the competition. Um, and so we do. We, we certainly study our opponent. Um, everything from trying to figure out their strategy to their leader, uh, what kind of uh, philosophy do they uh, employ, um, the formations, you know. How, how are they going to attack us? How can we attack them? So what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And the more we can study that to, to understand it, we feel like it might give us a small advantage. So, you know, what sports like football do is illustrate the whole idea of, of opponents. That the Bible says about you that you don't just have an opponent, you actually have an enemy who, who is not going to line up across a line of scrimmage for four downs or for four quarters against you and then help you up afterwards. You, you actually have an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and in the story that we're looking at in the Bible, why would the devil want to get involved here? You have to ask yourself that question. What, why would Satan want a crowd laughing at Jesus? Now, remember, he only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He does not care about you. In fact, he does not like you. He, he wants the worst for you when God wants the best for you. So what God will do in those moments, if you will let him, is shut down the opposition in your life that's trying to stop you. Now, what does Jesus do next? Let's, let's look at what Jesus does next. Look at what it says. After the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in. This is so important but because Jesus always attracted a crowd. He was never afraid of the crowd. He didn't shy away from the crowd. Uh, he loves them because he knew in every crowd is, there are individuals. And, and he loves each of us individually. So he gets close to us. He shuts down the opposition, first of all. But then the second thing he does is he gets uh, close to our situation. Whatever it is that you think about Jesus, whatever it is that you believe about Jesus, whatever it is that you say uh, about Jesus, one thing is true is that Jesus is just like you. He's just like you. It's biblical. That's theologically sound. That's not thus saith Alex. That, that's the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 2 says that it was necessary for him to become just like us. In every way, just like us. He, he died just like all of us will. And in that death, he brought life. He had to be just like us. He had to get down in our situation. And he didn't just get down in our situation by coming down to earth. He didn't just get down in our situation by becoming flesh and blood. 
blood. He got down into our situation by suffering and by taking on heartache and that heartbreak and the pain of what it truly means to be human. Now, today, when it comes to uh, coaching sports, the, the, the Blankenship coaches tell us that it's a lot more than just X's and O's. It's actually about developing a relationship with each of the players. Well, watch this clip. plus youngsters 10 11 and 12 the the intimacy is not going to happen there but when we break them into the smaller groups the position groups and then we also have what we call m and m groups for us that's uh, monitoring and mentoring but it gives us a chance to be around another adult coach that might not be my position coach just to get to know each other and and we think that's where the real magic happens because if we can peel back a few layers and get to know you then Generally, you want to be a part of what we're doing, and, and your success um, is, is kind of planted and fertilized and watered in those small groups. Blessed to have a big staff. Um, when you have the numbers that we have, um, you've got to have other people that share your values. Uh, they're not identical to you. They're not clones, uh, you know, of me. Um, but we do share values, and those the, the core values that we want to have relational coaching taking place. Um, you know, I, I use the comparison of parenting all the time, um, and there's no way I could parent my own kids without knowing what they're going through on a daily basis. Um, so that's vital for our staff that we, we know what our guys are um, going through, what they're dealing with. Um, you've got to be present. Um, you know, you got to show. You can't just show up for the celebrations. You got to show up for the hard stuff too, the funerals and the, uh, the hospital visits and, and those things. Um, there's got to be true sincerity there because um, kids will read right through it if it's not real. Um, and then you got to be intentional. And I think I've learned this with my own kids because we've got seven right now at home. Um, if I'm not very intentional about scheduling times that we're going to be together one-on-one, um, I think you're missing something. Um, but like Dad was saying, the biggest piece is, is when you have such a big group, you got to have a group of men that share the same values and developing those relationships in more intimate settings. For us is we think that uh, if we want to get to know their story, we got to be willing to tell our story. And so it's one of the actual strategies we use in small group settings with position coaches and uh, is to get our coaches to share a little bit of their really, you know, a little more deeply uh, what make them who they are. If we want to get to know our players outside of football, um, I think it's very important because you can only get to a certain level in your influence and your coaching with your players if you don't get into their heart. And so trying to um, know who they are, where they come from, uh, allows us to have strategies for um, making a difference in their life. Um, I use an example, my coaching staff, I've got guys on my staff that uh, were in foster care. Um, lost fathers to uh, when they were in as teenagers um, had one murdered uh, other, another had one that was killed in a car wreck I have uh, a coach that uh, grew up with a bipolar parent I have a coach that had a sibling 36 years old that uh, was severe special needs so those things 
are going on in the life of my coaches, just magnify that into what's going on with the kids that we're dealing with. And if we don't really meet them where they are, we're just scratching the surface of getting to know them. I love that heart. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says that we have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who understands all of our weaknesses and all of our pain. And what Jesus will do is get in our situation by coming down to our level. He's not afraid to get down where we are. In fact, look at this and look at what Jesus does in this situation. The crowd was put outside. However, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand. Do you know that that phrase that's translated, or that word that's translated little girl, Talitha, is the Hebrew word. That, that word is a term of endearment. It can mean little girl, but it can also be a nickname, like little lamb. Little lamb. Jesus, who is the lamb of God, but he is also our good shepherd, comes in and takes this little girl by the hand and holds her like a lamb. And he says to her as he restores her life, hey, honey, it's time to get up. And he took her by the hand, a dead girl, he took her by the hand. That doesn't mean anything in our culture, but in those days for a Jewish uh, rabbi to touch the body of a dead person means he now is unclean. And, and you need to know this, that Jesus never left when unclean people showed up. But he never left them unclean. He met them right where they were and he cleaned them. Jesus gets down in our situation by getting on your level to meet you at your need. And it was at her point of need that Jesus showed up and met this young girl. And, and so often in our lives, we see our weak points as vulnerabilities, but, but our needs are actually the points at which we meet Jesus. So he wants to come to your home at the point of your need. Look, you, 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 uh, when you call out to him at the point of your need, here's the point. He wants to answer you. He wants to know you. And we think, well, he won't. We, we're tempted to think that uh, our need may be too big for him or it may be too small for him. And we think that Jesus doesn't want to get down on our level or he doesn't have the time to care over our need. But that's exactly why he showed up. It's exactly why Jesus comes home. You've seen the videos, the testimony videos, the last couple of Sundays, and you're maybe we're tempted to think, well, my situation is not that. I'm not coming out of prostitution or, or, or uh, witchcraft or any of that. Listen, that's the slyness of the enemy for you to think that, to make you think that there are levels of debt. The truth is, debt is debt. And if you're facing a dead end in your life, the answer is Jesus, right? Jesus did not come to clean up dirty people or to make us uh, better versions of ourselves. He came to bring the dead back to life. Amen. And, and in fact, go to that passage in Hebrews that I was just quoting a moment ago, chapter 4. And, and let me show you something in this passage in chapter 4 in, in Hebrews. The, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. That's the key. No one else can say that. No, no other human ever could say that, but Jesus could say that. He did not sin. 
but he became sin for us. He, he took your sin on his back at the cross, and, and because he did that, you don't have to pay for your sins. All you have to do is believe in him, put your faith in him. Now, now look at this text. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. That's the turning point right there. But because he took your sins, because he took your place, you can now take your place at the foot of God's throne. And you don't have to creep into the throne of God. You, you don't have to hide or be bashful. You don't have to uh, you know, hurry home and clean up. You, you don't have to put fancy clothes on. You don't have to hide from the stuff in your life. You can now come to him boldly because your enemy, listen to me, he is your accuser, but he never gets to be the judge. Never. And, and, and by the way, the truth of the accusation is not even relevant. Sometimes what he accuses us of bears some truth in our lives, but it's not even relevant because he is only the prosecuting attorney. He is not the judge. It's not, it doesn't matter if it's true or not true. Why? Because there's only one who gets to declare over you forgiven. As the child of God, you, you don't have to hide that stuff from me. Now you approach him boldly and look at what it says. And then, and then we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. At the point of our need, he supplies his grace. And he comes to our level and, and wants to meet our needs. All because he wants to get close to us. Now, now go back to that story. Jesus went in, took the girl by the hand, and she stood up. Whatever's dead in your life, whatever dead end it is that you are facing, listen, Jesus is waiting to take you by the hand and to walk with you. And he is inviting you to come home to him today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes at all of our campuses and open your heart? And I, I, I want to just ask in the next few minutes that nobody move and nobody step out. Just a few more minutes. This is, this is the climax of what we've been doing. And so if you just stay seated, and, and I don't want anybody to be distracted at this moment. If you're here today, and you'd say, Pastor Alex, I know for sure that Jesus is my Lord, my Savior. I have assurance, assurance, I'm sure of it, of salvation. If you know that, with nobody looking but me, I don't want to embarrass anybody. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I know he's my Lord and my Savior. Thank you. You can put them down. Lots and lots of hands. And for those of you who are new, let me just say the reason there's lots and lots of hands that just went up is because a man who died 2,000 years ago is still changing lives today. Because he's no longer dead, he's alive. He beat death, he beat hell, and he beat the grave so that he could have a relationship with you. Now, there were lots of hands that didn't go up, and I want to thank you for being honest. There are people all over our campuses right now praying praying, joining in the heavenlies right now. 
But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Alex, I don't know that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I don't have assurance. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I don't know that he is my Lord or my Savior or my forgiver. I don't actually know that he walks with me or talks with me at all. I don't know that if I die today, I'm going to heaven. I don't know that if Jesus comes back tomorrow, he's coming for me. But I would like to know, would you pray for me? I don't want to embarrass you and I don't want to point you out. But I would love to pray for you. At every single campus, that's you. Would you just raise your hand? Say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know. Pray for me. Include me in that prayer. I don't know that Jesus is my Lord or my Savior. Just raise your hand high. Let me see it all across the room. Okay, okay, at, at, at Midtown, would you raise your hand at Midtown? You, you don't know, just raise your hand. Downtown, would you raise your hand? South Tulsa, j j just raise your hand. And Jinx, and raise your hand. Owasso, raise your hand. Here, here in Broken Arrow, would you just raise your hand? Okay, okay, okay. I see several of you right sitting together. Any, anybody else? Okay, okay. Anybody else? Last time I'm going to ask, I don't want to drag this out uh, unnecessarily, but I, I, the patience of Jesus is so unbelievable that he wants all to come to him. Anybody else? Last time I'm going to ask, include me in that prayer. I don't know. Raise your hand high. Every single campus, just raise your hand high. Now, believers, you're, you're praying with me as I promised them I would do. Father, I pray right now over every single man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice that you would meet them right now at the point of their need, just as we said you want to. And that today would be the day of salvation for them, for men and women and boys and girls, that we would get to be in a front row seat today watching you save people. Would you do that today? Would you win the victory in their hearts and in their lives? Would you shut down the opposition and shut down all of those voices of what will people think? And you don't need that. Or just a few more minutes. Just hold out. Just a few more. Shut down the opposition, Lord. That they may hear your voice and hear it clearly as you want to get close to their situation. Meet them right where they are today. And if you're here today and you want to cross that faith line, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you want to receive him as your Lord and your Savior, I, I want to lead you in a prayer helping you do just that. It's not magic. It's a decision of your will to bow your knee and to confess with your tongue, Jesus is Lord. And so right where you're seated, I, I'm going to ask that believers pray it out loud as an encouragement to those who are praying it for the very first time. But, but if you want to cross that faith line, you want to trust Jesus, I want to lead you in this prayer. I'll pray it one phrase at a time so that you can simply repeat it after me. But I don't want you just to repeat it after me in a routine fashion. I want you to pray it to God in heaven. So right where you're seated, you want to trust Jesus. Would you just say, dear God. I know I'm a sinner, but today I ask you to forgive me. 
for all my sin. Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, my forgiver. In the best way that I know how, I turn my back on my sin. And I trust you alone, Jesus, to save me. Thank you, Jesus, that you were not ashamed or embarrassed of me. But you died on that cross, naked, in a public place, on my behalf. Help me to not be ashamed of you. Thank you for saving me. Now, before anybody looks up, you just prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart. At every single campus, I prayed that prayer and, and I wasn't playing games. I meant it. Maybe for the first time in your life, you, you weren't playing games. You meant it with all of your heart. Well, would you just raise your hand at every single campus and say, that's me, Pastor. I prayed that. I meant it with all my heart. Just raise your hand up high and say, Pastor, I prayed that and I meant it. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay. Lots of hands here at BA, all the way from the back, all the way to the front section. At Midtown, at Downtown, at South Tulsa, at Owasso, just raise your hand and say, I prayed that prayer and I meant it with all of my heart. And Jinx, would you just raise your hand? Watching online, just put in the comments, I'm raising my hand. I, 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 I prayed that prayer. Somebody will help you there in the chat. Anybody else? You just prayed that and you meant it with all of your heart. Lots of hands here. Let me ask a second question before we say amen. If you're here today and you'd say, my next step of obedience is, is baptism. It's believer's baptism. And that would be your next step if, if one of a few things is true. Number one, you pray to receive Christ, but you've never been baptized. That's your next step of obedience. Number two, you, you, you were baptized before you prayed to receive Christ, and your baptism is, is not in the proper order. And number three, maybe the mode of your baptism was not immersion. It, it was not biblical baptism of immersion under the water. But if that's true for you today and you'd say, I, I, I need to be baptized, I, would you pray for me about that step of obedience? Would you just raise your hand at every single campus? Say, Pastor, that's me. Okay, okay. Every single campus, just, just raise your hand. Anybody else? Watching online, just, just raise your hand. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. You can put it down. You can put it down. Now, let, now, let me just say this to you. Campus pastors, please come. If you just prayed that prayer or you raised your hand about baptism, two things. You, ju you just prayed that prayer to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you need to be baptized. Either way, would you just raise your hand again and say, Pastor, here I am. Here I am. And if your hand went up on either or both of those, I want you to look at me. The rest of you, you keep your, your, your eyes uh, closed and your head bowed. If you, if you prayed it, just wait. Look up at me. Look up at your campus pastor, okay? I want, I want somebody on the stage to make eye contact with you. I see a whole row of you right here, all of you. You meant that? And, and, or you need to be baptized, right? Congratulations. Somebody else, just wave at me and let me find you. You prayed that prayer or you meant it right here. Anybody else, you prayed that prayer or you meant it or you need to be baptized. Right over here, a bunch of you together from the football team.
Just look up at me if you would. If you prayed that prayer, you meant it with all your heart. Right here, young man. Right here, young man. Right here, young man. Right here, young man. Right here, sir. You meant it with all your heart. Congratulations. Anybody else? I saw a hand in the very back section. Just wave at me so that I can see you and find you. Anybody else? Just look up at me or look up at your campus pastor. Now, here, here, here's what I want to invite you to do, okay? I want to speak to or I want the campus pastors just to speak to those specific people, okay? The rest of you, you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. But you prayed that prayer or you need to be baptized. Would you just stand to your feet? The rest of you, you keep your heads bowed or eyes closed. Just stand to your feet. Right here, we've got a whole row of girls right here together. We've got a whole section of young men over here. Just stand up, just stand up, just stand up. Just stand up. Just stand up, 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 just stand up. You prayed that prayer or you need to be baptized, just stand up all across the room. Your campus pastor wants to talk to you, okay? Anybody else? Anybody else? Just stand up. Now, here, here's what I would love to do. Here's what I would love to do. Okay, hang on just one second. I love the excitement of this church. If you're standing, okay, we have a group of pastors right over here. They just want to pray with you for a second. If you need a Bible, they want to give you a Bible. If you've got questions, they want to give you questions. But we want to put you in our prayer list, okay? And so these girls can't even wait. They're like, get, get out of my way. I'm coming. And so just step out of these aisles. Just, boys, just step out of this aisle. Lady, just step out of this aisle and make your way to that exit door right there. Now let's clap with the angels in heaven that are throwing a party right now. Just go this way, boys. Go, go, just go this way. Just go this way. Over there, you can go either way. Come on, come on. Hallelujah. The Bible says the angels in heaven are throwing a party right now. We're joining with them in, in this place for what we get to watch. While they're being prayed with and talked to, let, let, let me just, can I, can I just go on for a second in, in this story? Let, let, let me just go on for a second. Let me go back to the very beginning of this story. Jesus is eating dinner. And this man comes in and he says, hey, Jesus, I need you to come heal my daughter. So Jesus and his disciples get up, leave the meal, and start making their way to this man's home. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Just then, a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him. He's making his way to this little girl. She touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Don't miss this. On his way to do a miracle, he runs into a miracle. While you're waiting for your miracle in your life, could it be that part of the miracle he wants you to experience is in other people's lives? So sometimes the path towards miracles is another miracle. How many times have I heard the testimony, have we heard the testimony, we're dealing with infertility and then we got into the adoption process and lo and behold, we got pregnant. 
How many times have we heard the stories, we're about to file bankruptcy, and then I gave to my church, and God came in, and I got a raise, and look at what he did. How many times have we heard the testimony, my grown daughter lives in another city, is not walking with God, but God called me to help a co-worker's, a co-worker's daughter with, with her faith, and, and then God sent somebody in that other city to my daughter. Listen, there is something in the economy of God. When we participate in other people's miracles, it puts us in the soil to... to, to for it to happen in our lives. I promise you it's true. Listen, we've seen so many people saved the last several weeks in, in our churches, but, but I gotta say to you, church, the whole point of Harvest Sundays is not that these three Sundays in August or these three Sundays a year are, are the Sundays that we see people come to know Christ. That's not true. The point of those three Sundays is to remind us that Jesus is always interested in meeting somebody at the point of their need. To remind us that the path to a miracle is literally littered with miracles. And on the way to, to those days or other days where we will see lives changed on a regular basis. There's nothing miraculous about a harvest Sunday. We take the gospel. Aren't you grateful for the gospel? I'm so grateful for the gospel. In this day and age where it just feels like all news is bad news, I'm so grateful that the, there's good news in the person of Jesus Christ. We take the gospel, we invest in people's lives, and we invite them to a place where they will hear the gospel clearly, and God does his work. That's not rocket science. That's the prescription that he lays before us. And it's always the opportunity that is at our door as the children of God. Would you thank God for meeting us here today? Thank God for meeting us here today.